The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to the Secrets of Star Wars podcast. May the Force be with you always. You're listening to the Secrets of Star Wars episode 178. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a deity. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember... The Force will be with you, always. Hello there, everyone. I'm Mike Creevy, a.k.a. Old Ben. I'm older than ever, I guess, uh, <laughs> each time I say that. And you're listening right now to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away, including the deeper themes and meanings. Please be sure to share this podcast on Facebook or the X, formerly known as Twitter, as I keep calling it, and let <laughs> us know how we're doing by leaving us a review over there. Uh, on this episode of Secrets of Star Wars, we are exploring the more mystical side, let's say, of our beloved franchise, the so-called Mortis gods or Mortis entities from the uh, Clone Wars series and also from Rebels. Uh, and it seems that they are, uh, while they've been one of the galaxy far, far away's biggest mysteries, it seems like they're evidently going to be uh, even more significant than we realized before because of uh, a brief little reference to them that may have deeper implications uh, in the most recent Ahsoka series. So joining me to explore this intriguingly bizarre mystery of the Mortis Entities is an all-star panel, including Catherine Laffrey. Laffrey, Catherine, welcome. How are you? Hello, good. Good, good. And we also have Thomas Salerno with us. Thomas, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Mike. Glad to be here. It's exciting. And uh, I, I, as we were saying beforehand, I just was planning on starting out by just saying, what what are we what are we talking about here tonight? Like you know, and and uh, the more I dug into this, and I think you know, you guys had uh, indicated probably some similar experiences. There's so many rabbit holes here, and um, and you know, if, especially if you go through YouTube and do deep dives on everything from just you know, I don't know, Google searches to Reddit to whatever. I mean, there's uh, no shortage of speculation and theories and all kinds of stuff. So we're going to explore some of that tonight. But uh, what I want to do is just kind of set the stage here. Um, I'm, I'm going to read from my phone here because it's easier to uh, easier to get. And on Wikipedia, just for those of you who need a quick little recap, this was a good summary, I thought. It says here, uh, so the Mortis entities, you know, Mortis is this location uh, that we encounter here, but here's the description of it. Uh, Mortis was an ethereal realm within the Force, which was whispered over in legends and stories passed down through the millennia by Jedi, Sith, and the average spacer alike. It was believed to have existed outside any star system and potentially the galaxy or even the universe. Some believed that the origins of the Force came from Mortis. So, in, if you're going to summarize it, I figure that that's a pretty decent summary, perhaps, but uh, we are dealing here with this uh, this place, if you even want to call it that, and these entities which originated in the Clone Wars back in 2011 in a three arc, three episode arc, Overlords, Altar of Mortis and Ghosts of Mortis. 
Uh, again, it was the third season of the Clone Wars, later mentioned in Star Wars Rebels episodes, Wolves and the Door, and A World Between Worlds. And so that's kind of our, our framework here episodically for the most, you know, I guess, the, the canon stuff. Um, and then we'll talk about Ahsoka a little later. But I wanted to start off by asking you guys, uh, what did you think when you first encountered this particular story arc? Uh, maybe, you know, when it was, any context that just might, you know, set up the listener here for kind of how you entered into this this sort of uh, <laughs> consideration. Catherine, let's, let's maybe start with you. Well, it follows right after the Night Sisters. And so mm-hmm. it kind of just, it throws you off. You're like going, wait a minute, what's going on in the Clone Wars? What's happening out in the greater galaxy? And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're in this strange world. If it's a world, wherever it may be, we don't know. And just, yeah, it just seemed like this huge break in the story. And yet had all kinds of stuff that made you go, wait, what's going on? What's who controls the force? Who are these things, people, whatever they are? So, yeah, it just it added tons of questions and just made you wonder more about what is going on. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Thomas, how, was it similar for you or what was your first reaction? Well, I've got to admit that when, in the early seasons of Clone Wars, I was kind of a, at a nadir of my enjoyment of Star <laughs> Wars. And I was not watching Clone Wars religiously. And, but I just happened to catch these episodes when they were on, hmm. and I hated them. <laughs> I, I didn't like them at all. I, I was like, no, it's midi-chlorines again. George Lucas, you're making things too complicated. You know, I was like, I like, I was like, force gods, what? You know, like, I, I wasn't having any of it initially. Yeah. But, uh, like, that, that changed later, which I will probably get into in, in your next question for us. But, yeah, initially, I... I think this was when I checked out of Clone Wars. Mm, it it mm-hmm. just brought, I'm like, this is too much. I they're, they're changing too much stuff. The force is just an energy field that permeates all living things. Why couldn't <laughs> they just keep it at that? You know, and it's like, and yeah. And I think this was the point when I stopped watching Clone Wars for a while, got back into it later. I've sure. seen most of it now obviously but yeah initially i wasn't having any of this <laughs> <laughs> that well, and that was kind of my feel too because i you know I, I was going back and looking at dates and trying to figure things out so um because i think this was on disney xd right originally was that right whatever i thought it was I, on I think, cartoon network for or the cartoon first network few seasons for some yeah. of it yeah because 2011 uh i was a fairly new youth director and I was pretty busy with that. And, you know, <laughs> and, and I didn't really have any uh, access to, uh, to, well, really either of those. And it was, you know, before, certainly before Disney plus and, and the whole uh, Disney buyout of, uh, of Lucasfilm. And uh, it wasn't until probably seven, maybe seven years later. Um, and when my daughter was our, our eldest daughter, uh, Noel was a couple of years. She was like three, maybe. And so I was, I was, starting to introduce her to star Wars a little bit. And, um, uh, it was on Netflix. I remember they, they had, um, for a uh, while yeah. there, I think, yeah, they, they, they had mm-hmm. somehow got the rights for it. So Netflix had uh clone wars on and I was like, well, you know, watch this. And, <laughs> you know, it was before any of the new movies were coming out. So, um, but yeah, it was weird for me to like the whole series was weird. Cause I wasn't used to it. I'd heard of it for years, you know, and I was like, I don't know, animation, this is kind of goofy, but I really started falling in love with it. And then, yeah, I hit this and I was not particularly impressed <laughs> or, or even I just interested even or, or, or convinced by it. Um, 
And so, yeah, I, I, I was sort of, you know, skeptical or just like, what? Okay. Um, and honestly, you know, uh, to, to bring it around now and I'll, I'll kick it off here. Um, my opinion changed quite a bit on it, on this arc. And it's, I'm uh-huh. still, yeah. I have a lot of questions, you know, but, uh, and I, I don't know, maybe we can get into this too later. The speculation, I, I want to speculate all the time on Star Wars, but I've been disappointed so many times because I think yeah. by, even if, if what it ended up being was arguably better objectively than what I had come up with, you know, the whole fan fiction thing, you know, mm-hmm. um, I wonder if it's just like when you practice building something up in your mind the way you want it to be or you think it will be just the disappointment of it being different than what you thought, you know, in life in general, probably like in our faith, you know, I think right. that can happen. Yeah. You know? yeah. So uh, maybe that's an effect as well. But but yeah, I, I turn it over to you guys. Yeah. Yeah. As a writer myself, I start to come up with these plot lines and when the writers of mm. the show decide to go in a different direction i'll admit it disappoints me i'm like yep. that's not how i would have written it it's like you know it's like a professional almost disappointment there right yeah how about you Catherine? did you so you sounded like you were, were pretty interested in it more from the from the get-go but has that has that deepened yeah. or well i don't think i watched it right away um okay because I kind of came into it later. I had a friend of mine say, hey, you really got to watch this. It's really good. So I started watching everything just in bulk, you know, like a mm-hmm. couple shows at a time. And then the thing that was really interesting for me was today I actually found an interview with Dave Filoni. And he talked about how even George's idea concept, when he pitched it to him, he was like, really, George? <laughs> this uh, this is what we wanted to you know it was just it was just funny to hear him say that and he was like okay you know we'll do this you want a creature that turns into a griffin or you know, okay <laughs> we'll do this so it was see, out there i think for everybody i could just see him there was just you know like yeah <laughs> like george <laughs> can you imagine getting to that point I, we've all seen these interviews with dave filoni about like his story and his journey you know like to lucasfilm and just being this ultimate fanboy but but good for him right again for like embracing like the the profession like this this is what i'm doing i'm gonna do it well mm-hmm. and like even getting to the point after a few years of being able to be there like uh what do you george i don't know can you you know Let's explain this a little more. And that's, um, is that the one, Catherine, where he he said, I had some notes on that, like, if I got this right, because I, I, I don't have the writers in front of me here for this, but um, but this was, you know, when, when Lucas, this was before Lucas had sold Lucasfilm. So he's, I think he's on the, the credits as an executive producer, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, for a lot of Clone Wars, or maybe even for those, most of those seasons, I think. I'm not sure. I'll, I'll look it up later. Look. <laughs> so he wasn't, like, this was... This advisory role, you know, where, where maybe you can see some of the seeds maybe being planted of, you know, the, the next wave of like, you know, it being completely in somebody else's hands, you know, with with him as sort of the inspiration for it. But, you know, so he wasn't maybe, I guess, writing this directly or these episodes. But this is interesting, though, knowing that it is a concept from him, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. which is, is very yeah. different than, than a lot of stuff we see today that we might be like, well, oh, that's not from George. This is so <laughs> this is this. Yeah. Makes you wonder, is George see himself as the father? <laughs> ah, oh, I wonder. <laughs> you know what? My, my opinion really only started to change fairly recently. You know, okay. I got more comfortable with it. Interesting, like, I think the seed of my 
sort of turnaround was planted by um there there's a fan artist uh named Jake Bartok. I don't know if you've seen him on social media and stuff, but I he does have. just this really awesome Star Wars art and one of the uh the great pieces that he I I have a few of his pieces actually, but mm-hmm. the one that I really want is this kind of Star Wars Lord of the Rings mashup. And yes. in that piece, he drew the wizards as mortis gods nice and that That. yeah and then that got me thinking like yeah maybe that's kind of what the mortis gods are in a star wars context they're like the mayar almost you know and that that started to get me thinking like you know a little bit more of a, a positive spin on this idea and when ahsoka came around and we started to see those little seeds planted throughout the show of like referring obliquely to the mortis gods the the mystery of it pulled me in i was like we may be actually starting to get some answers here and i think that 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 mystery is what hooked me not so much the concept itself of the mortis gods but the unanswered questions and i actually hope they don't answer every question i want there to be some mystery surrounding these figures going forward. Cause I don't think we yeah. need, you know, it, when, when George starts to over explain stuff, you get midi chlorians. And so you know, it's <laughs> like, I, I want some questions unanswered, but yeah, I've, I've turned around on these characters, you know, and I'm, I'm interested to see where they, they take it from here. And in re- rewatching yeah. the arc, I, I enjoyed it a million times more than the first time I saw it when I hated it. Well, and I, I, I did. I just got the uh, the image you were talking about here. It was pretty easy to find, but I can see if I can get yeah. Dom the the link to that. We can maybe put it in the show notes or something. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah, like Gandalf <laughs> has more eye on his yeah. shoulder. It, it's awesome. Oh my yeah. gosh! And uh, Elrond and uh, Arwen Archis, which is yes. kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty pretty <laughs> awesome. Um, well, yeah. Let me. Why don't we just uh, just to, to kind of recap the tatters because this isn't so much a breakdown. Well, I guess it, it is and it isn't a breakdown of the. <laughs> the Mortis arc episode. So I don't have the full descriptions of those episodes because that would take a little while. But, you know, this just to recap, we have this distress signal goes out that hasn't been used in like thousands of years. You know, this Jedi distress signal and uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka show up. And the thing they end up going into that becomes Mortis I don't know if you guys thought this, but the first thing I thought was it just looks like a giant holocron. Yeah, that, that my when my brother and I were watching you know, it yesterday, yeah. that's what we said. Like, yeah. And it's just yep, that, yep. that opens up and they go in and there's no landing or anything, just appear in this ethereal realm, as the description is. And let me ask you guys this. Like, did you, you know, after watching it a few times now, what's your opinion about where this is in terms of like a spatial place versus, you know, are they uh, another Lord of the Rings thing? I just thought of this tonight. It reminded me of when um, I think it's when they go to Lothlorien and Sam says, uh, you know, that it's like being in a song. Outside you know, of time, yeah. Yeah, and, and which is brilliant, of course, because Tolkien, the word master, like that's what the word enchantment means. <laughs> but he doesn't use the word enchantment. He says it's like being in a song. Inside you know? so a song. I'm yeah. wondering about that. Like, you know, is this like inside the force? Like, are we in it? Mm-hmm. Is this a there's so many different takes on it. But but that's that's my kind of feel or it's, it's something like that. You know, this trans dimensional. I don't know. Or, or a fulcrum, I think I saw somewhere. Or a, um. What do you call it? A conduit of the force? I think it was described mm-hmm. somewhere else. Yeah, they use that yeah. word in the episode. Oh, do that's yeah. right. Okay. Conduit. Yeah. 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 It was compared to like Dagobah or even Octu because of that in some ways. Yeah. But way trippier. 
Well, it's fascinating because in the opening, when you have them going off on their shuttle and they're supposed to rendezvous with this big Star Destroyer and they're trying to talk to each other over broken communications and they're like, no, we're both, we're at the coordinates. No, we're at the coordinates. Where are you? So it's like, you know, right then and there, there's been a little like space-time slip happens somewhere. Yeah. Or a Stargate or... The Upside Down. I don't know. <laughs> I've never made a Stranger Things reference uh, but on here, but who knows? Yeah. They're on the other side of it. Yeah, that's... Uh, I will say it... it I just... It's funny because I, I have to throw this in um, from a Catholic perspective <laughs> since this is a Catholic show uh, and I, I can't help but just, you know, think of, of uh, some of the, the depictions when the daughter first, like the first time the daughter appeared, my, one of my first thoughts was like, what is she wearing? Like, right. <laughs> like I'm so, you know, yeah. and it's like, oh no, like this is, this is going to show up on deviant art and <laughs> like, it's going to be like, okay. So, you know, just for you know parental reasons, let's just say for all listeners that have young children, the, the outfit of the daughter is not the most modest Star Wars uh, outfit, probably. <laughs> Probably not the least one either, but uh, anyway, so that was kind of bizarre. In my imagination, I think of it like uh, the uh, costumes you see on Olympic ice skaters. Oh, yeah. Where it looks oh, like yeah. they're not wearing anything, That's but they true. have that yeah, flesh-colored panel. Yes, that could be, yeah. I figure yeah. she's got a little sheer panel Let's there hope. keeping all yeah. that together, because otherwise that's not a comfortable outfit. No, oh, no, my no. Gosh. <laughs> Which, well, but then that might be an odd you know, sort of roundabout way of jumping into a, a profound question here about these these entities what even are they you know because mm. we definitely get the sense that they're not um strictly speaking corporeal uh, beings they're not really they you know, men or women but yeah but they can be killed right? yeah but with but with like a magic thing right you know, so because yeah. the lightsabers have no effect which that's one of the coolest things to me about it is when Anakin's oh, yeah. got the lightsaber up and the father just grabs it like would you just get that out of my face and, like, <laughs> and this was even like early on before they got really really good with the animation uh-huh. and like the, the facial features but i love the look on his face because anakin's face is ours you know like no like that's not how lightsabers work yeah <laughs> so but how did you guys see this as far as like what they are because there was a neat thing dave said here based on some speculation people had I wonder if they're beings that have sort of left their corporeal existence, almost like the the ancients in Star Trek, uh, not Star Trek, Stargate, almost Mm -hmm. like the ancients, you know, where they've kind of left there because like they still seem to have some people in the physical world remember them like this is jumping ahead a little bit. But at the end of Ahsoka, we see statues of them. Right. So like and they're they're on the the Jedi temple. Right, and then they're mm-hmm. on the Jedi Temple and on and Lothal, mm-hmm. and so I'm like, so they they clearly are able to manifest in the physical world. They're not simply. Sure. I almost wonder if if they have not left their corporeal existence behind, but have kind of been assumed bodily into okay. the Force, almost like the Virgin Mary is like assumed, you know, mm-hmm. body. It's like because <laughs> if if they can still manifest physically and interact with people. Or they, they could be like angels when they who have no bodies naturally. And when they have to interact with people, they take on a temporary body. Right. You know, that like, sounds the closest to what yeah. the father was trying to explain to Anakin. 
Okay. Because he yeah. said that. Oh, how did he put that? I forget. He said that we had to withdraw ourselves from the material world. Oh, and then right. he says we're now anchorites of the force. And so yeah. we placed right. ourselves okay. in this monastery. Yeah. Like a, a prison. Sure. A prison and a sanctuary at the same time, he said. But yeah, that was interesting, though, that they like left the material world. Mm. So they're not really in the material world. He also said that they take on forms for whoever they're talking to. So that does sound ah. a lot like you were saying, you know, get associated with an angel. Well, well like the, the Maiar from Lord of the Rings. That's what I was going to yeah. say. There's another, that, yeah. You know, like the wizards don't have to look like old men, but they choose right. to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, they're way older than old men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Wow. Well, and it's it's neat, too, because the... There's um, a couple of examples we see where um, I guess it's the son, right? I think he uh, who appears or the father speculates that it was the son who appeared as as Anakin's mother. And I think that's confirmed then, you know, later to try to. Uh, it's interesting to try to he seems to be trying to get him to leave Padme, you know, or embrace this. uh <sighs> This mission that he's got, and I'm curious if I mean again we're jumping all over, but the the there's been a lot of speculation that Balin at the end of Ahsoka um, might be you know called to sort of take up the son's path, or some have speculated the father, and, and there's different speculation on that with Ahsoka Ahsoka seeming to have this this you know, kind of carrying on of the the mission or the presence or the sort of uh, ambiance, whatever you want to say, of of the daughter. Um, a lot of people saying Anakin as the father. I know there's a lot of debate about that. And then, but I don't really, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know how that connects yet. So I, I, I don't feel comfortable. Yeah, there's a lot of unanswered questions. Oh, but yeah. There's so many visual there's connections so, oh through all of this that mm-hmm. it just, it blows my yeah. mind. You, yeah. you catch on to one thing and the symbol of, the daughter and the son overlapped where it mm. looks like a Sith symbol with almost a four petal flower behind it. Oh yeah. And that's been placed in all different episodes, wherever they reference the world between worlds or oh, Jedi wow. going through a trial. And I had not caught this before today. And I was watching a couple of videos and someone pointed them out when Ahsoka takes the younglings to go make their lightsabers. The entrance to that temple has that symbol. Mm. And then it's within that temple. And this is where they're getting their lightsabers. They're going through their personal trials. And then also when um, Ezra and Kanan and later Ahsoka goes with them, the temple on Lothal, the platform that they stand on outside the temple to open it also is that symbol. So now we're getting all these little like points that all come back to the Mortis gods and Ahsoka and Ezra and everything's like starting to like, Oh my gosh, there's a little chain that's connecting all this together. Mm. I know it was, uh, there had been speculation. I was wondering about this myself and then Dave kind of shot it down. I I heard in an interview from years ago, um, kind of in the initial speculation about the, the Mortis gods. Cause he uh, said, you know, there were a lot of people speculating. um, So is the, are the the son and the daughter, 
you know, like manifestations of the father's darkness and the father's light and all this. And, oh, and I've Dave, heard that Dave, one. Yeah. yeah and, and Dave just said, uh, he said pretty clearly that the, that they, the son and the daughter are, are beings, you know, that they're not just projections of the father. Like he, that, that was without giving too much, you know, really specific detail in the interview I heard with him, he was just at least confirming that, that they are, we're, we are dealing with three distinct entities here. Uh, that are not just, right. you know, manifestations of different, you know, um, mm-hmm. aspects of one single thing. It's but, not modalism, then. <laughs> right. yeah, this, <laughs> by the way, there's a hilarious video. I, um, if any of you have seen it, uh, I always I found it around St. Patrick's Day the one year, but it's a, a really kind of cheap quality, but hilarious little uh, animation with Patrick, you know, tr- you know, using the shamrock to explain. Oh, that's modalism, Patrick. It, yeah, yeah, and I think, yeah, yeah, I think it was one. a, uh, was a, I think it was like a Lutheran group that put it out, but it was mm-hmm. like, no, that's modalism, Patrick. No, and like everything, he's like, oh, let's try this one. He's like, oh, that's Pelagian. It's, like, it's like, like everything he tries, like they're incredibly sophisticated, you know, <laughs> like calling it out. So, but yeah, I mean, like Star Wars, you know, we, we get into these, you know, these potential um implic you know galactically imp- um galactic wide implications that can come from some of these things you know so um I, with with kind of that in mind i wanted to ask you guys you know where do you see some some possible crossovers here or or other things we've seen in star wars films or tv shows even if it's not a direct reference to mortis uh that that you suspect you know could be kind of um, you know, connected. I mean, I mentioned Dagobah's one I mentioned that came up somewhere else where they talked about this idea of these these tests kind of by the force um, that seem to happen in other places, even if you don't see the, the Mortis entity specifically involved. But um, is that something else that, like, you know, you, you've seen similar, you know, in, in other places that came to mind? Like a rift yeah. in the force or these whatever, these these destiny testing kind of things, you know, which... Opens up like any time they step out of time and space and have yeah, these little or, moments, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you like, can almost like, think yeah. of Ray fighting with herself as being right. one of these. That's true. Moments, yeah. Yeah, on the Death Star, I guess, right? That uh, right, the wreckage. Yeah. On the yeah. wreckage, yeah. Oh, right. Or and or yeah. when she sees all those copies of her, so that weird place in right. uh, on Octo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, what's going on? And then that reminds me. I, I just realized this thinking of of the Last Jedi. In Luke's, um, or the temple that Luke finds on Octo, there's yeah. kind of a very similar sort of Taoist kind of light and dark symbol. Yeah. That there, it's it's not exactly the same, but it's similar to the one in the big courtyard on Mortis. Yeah. yeah. It was very similar. Yeah. I know there was a lot of speculation when Last Jedi came out to speak. Well, to, not to, don't worry, I won't go down that rabbit hole. But, <laughs> but, but, you know, just, just dancing around the top of it a little bit, maybe kicking a stone or two down the well. Um, but the, uh, uh, that reminds me that there was a lot of speculation at the time when some of the images started coming out ahead of the release of um, the fact that, you know, if you kind of lined up that, that weird figure with Snoke, they were, tremendously similar you know if you imagine him in the shadows or something and there was all this speculation oh well, you know, it's it's gonna turn out that snoke is the prime jedi and you know he's fallen and he's you know and i was like again one of the many things i think would have been much cooler <laughs> than <laughs> nope he was just a science experiment like, <laughs> okay you know but anyway um no that's that's science. actually a good point and i wonder if the aesthetic there was on purpose you know to kind of maybe 
tie in these broader things. And Octo is like supposed to be the that's the primal Jedi planet. So yeah. I wonder if like the early Jedi had more of a connection to these entities. If 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 Disney makes that sort of Dawn of the Jedi movie, we may get yeah. some answers about that there. And there was one yeah. fan theory that said that the Mortis entities were the ones that sort of seeded out the quest for finding force users. And that's why mm. you would see the symbolism with the Jedi temples. It's a way of drawing them in to test them in the world between worlds and then to see oh. yeah, whether or not they're worthy to be force wielders, to be wow. Jedi. So it was kind of interesting, especially knowing that, you know, you have the daughter in the sun, you've got the light in the dark side. And when they go through these tests, a lot of times they're dealing with the light and the dark side within themselves. So mm. which way are they going to fall, you know, to keep the balance, so to speak? Well, I wonder, too, like C.S. Lewis in uh, one of my favorite things he wrote in uh, the Ransom trilogy, when he's talking about, especially for, for anyone that's interested in theology of the body. If you want a great primer on theology of the body, read Paralandra, <laughs> which was written yeah. decades before, you know, John Paul II wrote a word about it. Um, and it's it's fascinating because a lot of the the, uh, the 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 vision is is similar, you know, because Lewis, mm -hmm. uh, without getting into too much detail, Lewis in this sort of um, uh, exploration of the notion of, of kind of the cosmic drama, you know, of, of the angels and demons and, and um, uh, masculinity and femininity really play into that quite a bit, especially when he's trying right. to describe, you know, basically his experience of meeting Mars and Venus. Oh, the elder. Yeah. Right. And, and so and the that. way Lewis describes masculinity and femininity and, and, you know, gender as, you know, so much more than what most of the, well, any of the conversation we hear kind of in the, the popular uh, world has to do with um don't worry i'm gonna land the plane here he <laughs> he says uh in in there is something that i wonder if that could apply here where you know almost like jedi and sith or even some of these other you know kind of like dark side movements whatever balin is you know because he's not quite sith or whatever you get the impression that it's like those are like kind of local applications or manifestations within the, the the physical realm of some much much incredible cosmic reality that goes all the way up you know rather than us projecting it up and out you know and that's that's lewis's right. point he's like you know masculinity and femininity are not us putting that onto things like the sun and the mountains and the sea it's they have participation in this thing that we do through our physical you know sort of manifestation um and uh, so that just interesting speculation. I wonder if, if this is almost something similar where, you know, the daughter represents all that the light side really kind of is in a sense, you know, and all the the, the virtues and the, you know, the hope and, and all that kind of stuff. And the Jedi at their best are a little bit like her, mm -hmm. you know, something like that. And then the Sith, you know, because I, I think the son says something where they're like, oh, you're Sith when they first meet him. You know, he says no and yes. And, right. And, and he's yeah. just and he's kind of coy about it. But, he, you, you know, that whatever he's talking about, like he's like he's much bigger than just yeah. that. Like he's uh, the, like I've, dark side is bigger than just Sith. You know, right. Because like the Sith have a specific dogma. They have a specific right. ideology that's sure. different from other 
Dark Force users. You know a, a guy's a Sith as soon as he starts talking. Because they will, they will start parroting Sith ideology to you. Yeah. And that's the thing about Balin. He doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. He does mm-hmm. not parrot. Because at first I'm like, oh, he looks, he dresses just like one. But right. when, once he opened his mouth, I'm like, okay, this guy's different. Yeah. He's not mm-hmm. giving the usual spiel yeah. that a Sith does. Nor is Kylo. And nor does Kylo really. Yeah. yeah. And so I like this idea of kind of expanding the Star Wars universe beyond the Jedi and the Sith to show us other light side and dark side factions. And they've been doing that before. I, you know, we, we have the, the Guardians of the Wills, mm-hmm. our light side faction, but they're not Jedi, you know, like. So I'm, I'm interested to see where, where they go with this, because yeah. I believe it has the potential to expand the universe beyond sure. what we're used to, which is good. Oh, and also uh, uh, Secrets of Star Wars' own Angela as the Bendu. It reminds me of the, the, the Rebels Bendu, character, yeah. too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Which, that's an interesting question, because so, everything connects to the Mortis gods, so why How not? I wonder, you know, yeah, is yeah, the Bendu some kind of father connection? Because he's, you know, the father's sort of in between the son and the daughter, you know. And which which that's you know, weird, because yeah, as, I, I, as, I, yeah. <laughs> as much as Star Wars likes to try... And be quasi Taoist, where it's like you know, light and darkness need one another and stuff. Right. the The father talks at several points as if good is good and evil is evil. Yeah, he doesn't and, warn and, the daughter that she's too good and she's got to reel it back a little bit. Right. It, it's always that what the son is doing, <laughs> right, is evil. And he says, "I'm like, okay, so the dark side is objectively bad. It's not just misunderstood." Here, Which so. only a Sith deals in absolutes, so... <laughs> See, but it, it's the, just weird. It's like... It's the it, philosophical it, problem. <laughs> right. That, that's the way... When, I feel like when Star Wars delves too deep into that, it becomes yeah. a bit incoherent. <laughs> yeah, In I think terms so. of its, its theology of good and evil, but... There was one audio thing about the father that I really picked up on watching it again today. And especially knowing that this follows right after... The Night Sisters arc. Mm. We have Mother Telson's dual voice with that mm. odd echo. The father has the same voice. Oh. She has this weird echoey dual voice mm-hmm. that I did makes not you just that. a huh. little like weary of him. It's like okay, he's you know almost that double talk. You know, you kind of mm. start. Feeling a little uneasy yeah. around him about what's his true goal here. He's he's walking the light walking the light side dark side bridge a little yeah. too much. <laughs> well, I wonder, Thomas, you mentioned earlier about you know, uh, and I couldn't agree more. You know, more the um, not wanting them to necessarily you know reveal too much or over reveal too much and you know, try to keep some yeah. some mystery to this. But like with the Ahsoka arc and with Balin. How did you feel about the, I'll ask you both this, but how did you feel about what ostensibly now seems to be some kind of mortis connection that was calling to him, Yeah, um, but super vague, vague. you know, because he's just completely, you know, like there's nothing, I have, I've had a vision, like nothing at all. It's just like, mm-hmm. if the stories are, just, like, is he talking about well, he the says stories? he wants to break the cycle you know? of good and evil fighting one another you know like because he talks about you know how the jedi and the sith as represented you know by the republic and the empire are always 
cycling back and forth. And I mean, and even like, and you know, it's almost like they're responding to the sequel trilogy, which had to do the empire and the rebellion again, you know, and, and he, he brings up this point that history is cyclical. You know, I, I just finished writing a piece about one of my favorite novels of all time, a canticle for Leibowitz, mm-hmm. which has this same thing. And that was written by a Catholic science fiction writer, but this same theme where like, there's constantly there's civilization destroys itself in a huge war and then it builds it back up and it falls again. And Balin kind of wants he he says explicitly he wants to break that cycle. And I think he believes that somehow the Mortis entities have some power to do this. Mm. I don't know what, like you said, super vague, but I I think it has to to tie into that somehow his his want to control history or have some kind of power to end the constant struggle between the light and the dark. Well, our wonderful uh, Imperial art critic who spoke with uh, Sabine trying to figure out what that Mortis God uh, icon was telling him said it really clearly. Whoever controls the portal to the world between worlds controls the universe. Mm -hmm. And if that's what Balin wants to do to control the universe, to break the cycle, he's heading for the world between worlds and everything Mm. points to the Mortis gods having a direct connection to that. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because in rewatching the bits of rebels that talk about all of this, and I rewatched when they went into the temple and you see Yoda appear and I'm like, wait a minute in rebels, Yoda's alive on Dagobah. Mm hmm. So how in the world is he there? Of course, he uses the great line is I'm here because you're here. Okay, great. <laughs> Thanks, Yoda. <laughs> Which, yeah, that was helpful. But it was also used by Gwygon when he was in Mortis. I'm yeah. here because you're here. You're here. Yeah. Which, by the way, and then, then, uh, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. No, so it's just, it's interesting because it was like, I was trying to wrap my head around this. Wait a minute. Is Yoda bilocating? Is he like a mm-hmm. Star Wars Padre Pio? What's going on here? <laughs> But then it's like, no, Yoda knew how to access the world between worlds. I think he figured it out. And so there's just that every time they're in the temple, you have those portals available to them. Mm. And so that's a little bit of like. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Which is, it has to make Palpatine even more upset that he can't, can't crack it, you know. Well, he yeah, sort you of does, he was using, right? Like, like, he was yeah, using he was, witchcraft. Witchcraft, he was, he yeah, was like but like, he was... Like, cauldron and... Yeah. <laughs> it was like the, almost like the, the Dathomir witches, except the fire yeah. was blue instead of green. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he was like trying to get in. <laughs> he's going on his full-on Sauron the Necromancer at that yes. point. I was yeah, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was laughing though. The um, uh, when you mentioned about uh, Qui Gon, Catherine. The reason I, I chuckled was because in one of those interviews I listened to with Dave, they were pressing him. You know, it was, it was early on. I, I think it was a Rebel Force Radio thing when you know when it yeah. first came out. It was like a playback one, and they were like going nuts trying to figure it out. And you know, they said, was it? really Qui-Gon you know was it his his force ghost or and that was a big I think controversial thing at the time which I think has kind of died down because of the timeline yeah 
of of you know Obi Wan meeting Qui Gon's ghost, but then being shocked, you know, at the end of Episode Three later. Nick, um, yeah, my brother and I talked about yeah. this when we watched it yesterday. We were like, "Wait a minute!" <laughs> and 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 then on top of it, now with Canon, you know, saying that it's ten more years before he actually makes that kind of contact with him at the end of the Obi Wan series. Um, which I I love that scene, by the way, you know, took you long enough. Um, but so, you know, Dave didn't really directly address it, but what he said was, uh, they said, was that really Qui-Gon? And he's like, well, and he's, he's kind of like being sheepish. He's like, oh, it was was Qui-Gon's real voice. I can tell you that. He's like all he's From doing a certain is, point of view, yeah, he's, he's, I guess. He's confirming it was Liam Neeson. You know, oh, was it really? It I was, wondered about yeah. that. It was. And the same actress who did uh, Shmi did the voice yeah. of Anakin's mother. Oh, so. yeah. that's cool. But yeah, it but wasn't really her. Yeah, but he said, but mm-hmm. was it Qui-Gon? Like, uh, I don't know. I'm going to have to pull a Jimmy Aiken one on this one. It's always demons. It's, always <laughs> it's like when they say like demons can, you know, kind of manifest themselves as a departed loved one and try to mm. mess with you. And it's like, that's exactly what happened there. Oh, you know, Anakin's long lost mother. And there she is yeah. and trying to twist his thinking. <laughs> like, well, see, I think it's also makes me wonder, like, was it really, you know, it wasn't really Darth Vader in the cave and Dagobah, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. Luke learned a lot through that. And what's funny is I still remember being a kid and being like weirded out by the whole like, you know, even knowing that, that Vader was his dad, like going back and watching him later, but still a kid. And it's like Luke's, but like, why is Luke's head in the helmet? Like why is it like uh and, and like taking me so long to start to grapple with the idea you know, of these those more like esoteric kind of like you know like wait well it's what he could become mm-hmm. but also it's his dad so they're kind of one because father and son you know so <laughs> all these kinds of things but um but yeah I, I'm still a little torn on that too like is it it's I mean it looks like a force ghost right he has that blue hue yeah you know and. But yeah, that he, is, and he that appears is... differently than, say, Ahsoka's future self yeah. appears, or Shmi, right? Who right. Did, neither of them have the That's the aura. A good point. Yeah, and he appears later. He appears to uh, to Anakin. He does in the yeah. in the Up same the kind hill. of way. Yeah, I I always laugh at like like just little dumb things that I get a kick out of because he's way up on the mountain that time, mm-hmm. and it's always like why. <laughs> Just I'm right here. Like, why would you? It, it would, you it would have been much funnier. Anywhere, right? It would have been much funnier if he's yelling. Like, Anakin, it's like us in our house. Like, we find ourselves yelling. And it's like, no, you come to me and talk to me. I'm not going to yell across my house. Like, it's like, oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, Catherine, let me bring it back, you know, back to the, the Mortis entities specifically here, because you mentioned about the War Between Worlds um, uh, being kind of all over this. Uh, did we, I forget, I think this might have come up in a previous episode of the Ahsoka show, but remind me, if you know, um, did you uh, pick up anything in particular on the similarities with like the glyphs and stuff and that, that yellow kind of piping almost on some of those those monoliths and stuff that looks similar to, you know, the 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 artwork and rebels like at the entrance to the war be- world between worlds and that kind of stuff. Did you, what were those oh, some of the yeah. things you were thinking of those similarities? Okay. Yeah. They had similarities that happened over and over again. Anytime that they were getting close to even referencing it, like mm. before Kanan even took Ezra to the Jedi temple, he was sitting with a uh, Jedi holocron open 
and it had what looked like a star map with a little bit more to it because it actually mm. had portals and world between world oh, wow. imagery on it. And so oh, wow. it was, yeah, so it was really interesting to see all these overlaps. And then again, Sabine um, was talking with the uh, the art critic and said, yeah, well, this looks like a star map, but different. And, you know, so then when you see the top-down view of the temple on Lothal, you'll see lines drawn in the dirt going out around different rocks, again, looking like the mm. star map with a little something more. So sure. there's always this little bit of overlay, and we saw it all through Ahsoka, and they even added a audio overlay. Um, when Kanan first went into like the world between worlds within the Jedi temple to fight the temple guard. Mm. The temple guard said, um, I wondered when you'd be like, get back here. I forget the exact word, mm -hmm. um, but it was the exact same thing that Anakin said to Ahsoka. I'd wonder oh. when, you'd, when you'd get, or when you'd be here or something like that. Oh. So I was like, no way. So there's a <laughs> lot of like George Lucas's classic. It rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> right. So there's definitely huh. a little string that's happening through all of this. I wonder if they're doing all this now because they realized they should have tackled this stuff in the sequels. <laughs> <laughs> and they have, they have the opportunity, you know. And, yeah. Because uh, mm -hmm. I almost be... feel like that's the next step, you know, Clone Wars is prequel era. Mm -hmm. And so the foundations for solving this mystery were kind of laid all the way back then. I almost feel like they should have brought it back in some form, but that that's getting into a whole other can of worms about how like, you know, yeah. but, um, but yeah, I like that they're tackling it now though. I wouldn't necessarily assume there would be room for any of this stuff, or this would be the priority in that acolyte series. Cause I don't really know what they're doing with that. I mean, I'm intrigued mm. by it, but I would suspect that and Thomas, I think you mentioned this earlier. The um, well, one of you mentioned. I'm sorry, it might have been Catherine. The um, the name's escaping me now. What's what's the the uh, Dawn of the Jedi series? Oh yeah, the movie. The yeah, the they're gonna make. And I forget who who has that one. If that's a the, the James Mangold one, I think that's or... James Mangold. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because um, which you know, yes, <laughs> say what you will about about Indy Five, um. Including, uh, you don't want you want to pretend it doesn't exist. I don't. I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah. Um, but but one way or the other, you know, just from a a the standpoint of filmmaking, you know, it was a really well made. You know, the, the the I thought the pacing was good. Like you know, he he really knows what he's doing. So I, I'm excited just from that technical and, and kind of vision standpoint to see what he does with with something that different in in the Star Wars universe. But I, I think it might be. I don't know. Maybe they're setting the, the stage here for the kind of thing, because I can't think of anything else that would do this within the canon that has potentially the broadest reach um, across all these these you know times. Because, you know, you you could clearly have some kind of mortis connection if you're going back 20,000 years or if you're going into, like you said, Thomas, the new phase of them trying to you know, build up, you know, some. You know, some meat on the bones here of this this post empire time period with the yeah. uh, the Ray sequel coming out. So, yeah, I think I think maybe they know. Hopefully, that they really got to deliver and go deeper with this and and always keep it true to the story, but but also be able to give themselves something to explore. <laughs> so I don't know. That's that's a thought. Well, here's a weird thought that popped into my head. 
If Mortis is outside of space and time, and so is the world between worlds, these beings are not gone. They're yeah. out there somewhere. It's mm-hmm. like yeah. they could come back. <laughs> and as Luke says, I think this is what is this my third last Jedi reference for the, we should keep a tally <laughs> counter <laughs> yeah like if, that might be a fun if, if we can figure out a way to do that if we do one of our uh, our may you know uh fourth live streams or something some year <laughs> have a tally go every time someone makes a last jedi you know uh it's like well, what that, they that, do with star trek whenever they say some kind of yes and this there's been counters for that well and it would it would of course be immoral to suggest you know any kind of like drinking game you know with it but uh, <laughs> which actually there was a funny catholic thing i've mentioned this before do you guys ever see there was something i don't know who put it out if it was like eye of the tiber or one of those satire websites uh years back had something about a you know a problematic you know a trend emerging on on uh, catholic campuses of this this new drinking game and it builds it up like really serious and it says uh this joke about, you know, uh, taking a shot every time uh, Scott Hahn uses the word covenant in one of his books. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I just, I, I was like, I'm sorry. That's, that's funny. That's kind of funny. Um, no, but, but um, yeah, I, I think, uh, Catherine, you bring up a really cool point with this. Um, as, as Luke said, that was the last Jedi reference, right? Nobody's ever gone. Ever really gone. Ever really yeah. gone. Yeah. You know, um, that's what I said at the, when, when that... <laughs> my brother and I, uh, when we reached the end of the, the arc, I was like, no one's ever really gone. Yeah. I don't think they're, mm-hmm. they're really dead. You know, you know, they just slipped into another dimension somewhere. <laughs> well, and, uh, you know, what will happen though is if they, if, if they were killed by a magical, you know, enchanted sword and they're able to come back, you know, uh, Morgan Elsbeth has to uh, <laughs> pitch. You know, Di- it was a Diana Leona Santo. Is that is that I think her name? The actress that played Morgan Elsbeth. You know that she should be able to to petition, be like, "Hey, look, I know Ahsoka totally killed me with my own enchanted sword, but listen, nobody's <laughs> ever really gone. Go on. <laughs> yeah, I'm loving all these things. These memes showing up with you know time after time that people keep just getting stabbed right through the chest with a lightsaber and coming back like there's no problem well no but everybody knows like in star wars for you to, like <laughs> for you to really be resurrected in star wars you have to fall down a pit though yes <laughs> yeah very well, you know. darth maul and palpatine both fell down a pit and survived so that's i, I think i said it in the theater in rise of skywalker and he's like you know as once i fell so if it, like you throws kylo down the pit and i'm like dude what's wrong with a force choke you know what i mean right. like i'm like you know like like vader sits on his like i don't even know if he was on this i forget if he was even on the same ship as admiral ozzel but he, you know, he doesn't even stand up just doesn't even raise his hand yeah, you he killed somebody over the TV. He failed me for, you know, for a Zoom <laughs> yeah. call. Yeah, Zoom call. <laughs> I was like, so he can do that, but you're his boss who came back from the dead, and you're like, I'm going to throw you down another pit. Like, okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, to, to pull things back to mythology for a minute before Please I forget. <laughs> the father reminds me a lot of Odin. Oh, Not okay. just in the way he looks, but also because of the fact that he's trying to control fate. And he admits to them, if I mm. hadn't brought you here, none of this would have happened. Like he's he's trying to bring them there to pre- to prevent something from happening, you know, to prevent the 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 son from going rogue and doing all right. this stuff because he needs Anakin to take his place. But he ends up creating the very crisis he tried to avert. Mm. And I'm like, that's Odin, who's always trying to stop Ragnarok. Yeah, but by doing that causes it to happen anyway, right? 
Well, and we know that, you know, Filoni was, was, uh, well, the, the other, uh, did he, he wrote all the episodes, didn't he? I think he did. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, for, yeah. for Ahsoka, forgive me. Oh, for Ahsoka, <laughs> for Ahsoka. I think he did, yeah. So, because that would make sense with, um, you know, he was, uh, we brought this up before on the Ahsoka show thing of the, the Balin and the, uh, the hot, was it was Shin or Hati or whatever, Shin one of Hati, her names, yeah. one of her two names, um, that, uh, the, the, uh, wolf, I think, you know, the wolf's chasing the sun or the, the moon, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you were even there for that, Thomas, I forget, someone had mentioned that online, so. we looked it up, yeah. that it was, a or a skull, it was, uh, in, um, Norse mythology, I wasn't familiar, yeah. that skull is a wolf, uh, in the prose Edda that chases oh. the sun. Okay. And and Hati chases the moon, you know. So that I mean, there's no way that's just chance, you know, to have no, them pair yeah, up. Yeah, that's you yeah. know. So there's some there's <laughs> some cool stuff, but uh, yeah. Oh wow, <laughs> there's so <laughs> many, so many things. Um, and and hey, but by the way, and they do that that cycle. I just I was about to close this uh, this tab out. The sun and the moon chasing cycle. Uh, continues until Ragnarok. Okay. At which point the wolves catch up and devour the celestial beings. You know, is the, uh, mm-hmm. I guess. So, it, I mean, and, you know, these these writers, if, if they're worth their salt, I feel like, you know, they're, they're all, you know, influenced, right? Influenced by great literature, influenced by these great uh, archetypes. You know, I mean, uh, Jordan Peterson's uh, fame, you know, right now is is, is so... Uh, interconnected with this, you know, his own method, right, of of exploring some of these archetypes, and uh, that's that's just I think really interesting to people. And my feel on this, and I'll throw it back to you guys here because I think it connects. Uh, you know, uh, as we see in the in the gospel too, or in any of the the stories in scripture, this transcendence of of themes, you know, that don't have to be made up for them to be mythic, you know, and I know Thomas, you can appreciate that. I'm sure too that, you know, I was going over yeah. this with my students the other day about the myth uh, in the, in the biblical sense as, as genre and, and sort of style of storytelling. Um, and, you know, this, this constant human connection that we all have with myth, uh, whether we find it in Lord of the Rings or star Wars or anywhere, um, what do you like? Do you guys see anything anything further here in our closing minutes from that that kind of bigger picture, maybe mythic, or then even in our own faith uh, sort of connection here, uh, connection with these these themes with these mortis entities of of the Father and the Son and not the Holy Spirit, but the <laughs> the, <laughs> the daughter again. It's not strict Trinitarian theology, but there's I, that's one of course I noticed that's pretty on the nose. There there is a Trinitarian ish, you know, kind of thing. That's pretty clear here and monastery and yeah, anchorites. Anchorite, yeah. Right. So anything else like that you guys caught, you know, from a more like a Catholic perspective, even. I mean, even just, I mean, the fact that the daughter has Morai, the owl, you know, a representative of like wisdom Mm -hmm. in the spirit. Yeah. So it's like, okay, get that they're going that way with it. I mean, just the fact that. I totally didn't think of that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, and then with the brother mimicking Anakin's dead mother as, you know, a demon would do something like that to try to corrupt someone. So it's interesting. I just think it, it shows how, how Star Wars is functioning in modern times in the place of 
ancient mythologies. It, mm. It's the modern, you know, Western mythology, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's using those. Same, it's just like, you know, like if, if you read a lot of the the especially like the, the Roman Stoics, they'll acknowledge that the mythological stories are important, but they don't believe them. Mm. You know, and it's kind of like now, like people don't believe Luke Skywalker or any of that stuff exists. We all know it's fictional, but it's but it's important to mm-hmm. us as it it's become such an important part of our sort of cultural experience that it's almost inseparable. You know, just how like, you know, the the Romans like recognized, you know, Greco-Roman mythology is like at so intertwined with our culture, we wouldn't even dream of getting rid of it, even though we don't even really believe in these gods anymore. Right. You know, or these, the, we don't believe Hercules was a real person or anything like that. You know, but I feel like Star Wars is filling that function and it proves that there's a hunger for the transcendent, for yeah. meaning, to make sense. Because like, as the world around us increasingly doesn't make sense, there's, you know, a need for some kind of grounding mythology and if if people aren't going to christianity for that they're going to go somewhere else you know and Mm -hmm. i feel like i mean what was it i heard the other day like in 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 some country i think it's australia you can actually put on the census jedi as a religion yeah (laughs) uh, i i I think it is australia yeah yeah we'll have to ask our friends from the 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 catholics of oz whether that's actually a thing or not or if that's just a rumor i heard but but yeah it's like yeah people are like like it's giving meaning to people's lives and i think it just proves that we as christians are not telling our story well enough Hmm. because if we were telling our quote-unquote myth and it's as lewis called it the true myth we're not telling that well enough people are gonna go Someplace else. And that, that's not to put Star Wars and Christianity in any kind of opposition to one another. It's just saying that people are finding in Star Wars something maybe that they're not finding, you know, in the way Christianity is currently being presented to people. And maybe yeah. what they're finding in Star Wars is that little glimmer of truth that's pointing mm-hmm. to something bigger. And that's what's making it attractive, but they don't know what it is. So they need yeah. something like us that shows them that Catholic connection that is pointing to that bigger truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something bigger out there. Well, I, do, is there anything else in particular you guys wanted to make sure we covered here? Or There's one other visual reference going all the way back to the beginning oh, with the shape of Mortis looking like yes. two stacked pyramids out in space. And so I like looked up, okay, what was the significance of the pyramids, especially in Egypt? And I found this, that um, it's likely because ancient Egyptians viewed the stars as gateways to the netherworld. And so the pyramid shape was intended to help the souls um, find their way to the afterlife more easily. And thinking of like a pyramid in space, you know, stars are all around. (laughs) So it's going to point up, it's going to point down, it's, Uh, you know, opened all directions. I thought, wow, that was kind of neat to see that little connection there. They've actually found in the Great Pyramid of Giza, there are these sort of passageways, tiny little, they're only a few inches across, that go through the entire pyramid. And they're not air, they're not to let air in or anything like that, but they actually line up with astronomical points, with important constellations. And so they're like, yeah, the pyramid is functioning as a device to transport the Pharaoh's soul to the stellar afterlife. (laughs) 
yeah. really cool concept. Can you imagine this thing? We really gotta aim. It's like, yeah, yeah. We gotta aim this just right, guys. <laughs> right. We're gonna die because he's not gonna. Yeah, yeah. Like, we don't want to mess that up. <laughs> that's workplace pressure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, workplace pressure of like, guys, we we gotta move these twenty ton blocks. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, you know, you're like, what's 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 wrong with him? Oh, he sent Ramses to, you know, Orion instead of, you know, you know, Pleiades or something. Like he's just well, I heard Orion is actually one of the places they're aiming for. Is that right? Oh, well, that's yeah. good. good. See, I, I would have done okay. I would have just guessed. <laughs> it's like, Aren't they supposed to be lined up with the belt or something like that? <laughs> I have heard that. Yeah. And that's why there's there's yeah. two large pyramids and one small one at Giza. Just okay. like there's in Orion's belt. There's two larger stars yeah. and a smaller one. Yeah, you know, which, by the way, I, I forgive me if they've already covered this or not, because I'm a very big fan of Jimmy Akin's Mysterious Well, we've mentioned Jimmy twice now on yeah. the show, but uh, if they haven't done that one, I'm sure that's on the list already. The uh, some of that uh, the great you know, pyramids, an- ancient yeah. aliens type stuff. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it's always now, see, in Star Wars, it is always aliens. Though, it so is I feel always like show, aliens who build all this yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have to we don't have to make our case so much in, on the show. <laughs> So, oh my gosh! It all see SQPN fans. It, it all it all connects, you know, one big happy family. So, uh, well, do, do you guys have any anything else you want to cover, or are we we good for now? You think? Because we can always. I'm, well, I think we'll come back to Mortis at some point. Oh so. yeah, in in the oh, future it's we'll come back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll be talking about this for a while. I think as they slowly Absolutely. unravel whatever the heck is going on with this stuff. <laughs> well, we'll be there. Yeah. Well, that's going to be it from us, folks, for tonight. So uh, please feel free, listeners, to keep in touch, as always, with us by emailing any feedback you want over to Wars at sqpn.com. You can visit our uh, Discord community also at sqpn.com slash Discord. Uh, over on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash StarQuestMedia. And uh, Twitter slash X as at uh, sqpn. Previous episodes of this show you can always get over on our main site, sqpn.com slash Wars. And that's always a lot of fun. I recommend people check that out from time to time because I just did that recently with reminding people that we actually did, in fact, do a Darth Jar Jar deep dive a while back, (laughs) which was a lot of fun. So we'd also like to take a moment to thank our Secrets of Star Wars patrons, including a special shout out this week to Timothy B, Alexander V, Amanda F., Callie P and Jason K. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Wars and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Please tell all your friends to follow the show, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all those great podcast apps. Uh, apps. Pocket Casts is the one I like. Um, you know, they don't pay me to say that, but Check them out, too. Uh, SQPN also is over on YouTube. You can check us out there. Make sure you subscribe and hit that bell for notifications. And we'd appreciate any reviews you can leave us, any ratings on any of those platforms. This is very helpful and gets the word out about uh, all of our programming here. So last but not least, check out that merch store, sqpn.com slash merch. Always new fun stuff over there. So we'll be back in two weeks to take a closer look at a series. Really, it's going to, I think, be pretty cool here. The Force and Spirituality And uh, they're specifically looking next time at light, dark, and balance. Some of those things we brought up tonight, they're going to go deeper. So mark your calendars because you won't want to miss that. So until next time, Catherine Laffrey, thank you so much for joining me to share in the secrets of Star Wars. 
Thank you. And as Sabine told Ezra, Ezra, it's art. Everything has meaning. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And Thomas Salerno, thank you so much as well. Thank you, Mike. May the force be with you. And with your spirit. Oh, we always have to do that, right? <laughs> so thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest. Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. The Secrets of Star Trek. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash Star Trek.